0: Welcome to the Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia.
1: On this week's episode, we have Lachlan, Hi. Neil, Yo. and Justin. In this episode, we're losing ourselves to lizards, When we're talking about all some of the mysteries and interesting science about lizards, including the way that chameleons use their bodies to signal different things, legless lizards that aren't quite snakes, as well as a whole bunch of other interesting stories about lizards and the different ways in which they find it perfect mate. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's City of Science is one of the most unlikely places that has been uncovering some fantastic research on legless lizards. So in, um, in California specifically around Bakersfield and in near Los Angeles. There's been a whole bunch of discoveries there, which we'll talk about shortly. But as our, our city of science this week, we're really going to focus on Los Angeles, not because of its fantastic universities that are nearby or its great research institutes, but for its weird and exotic locations, such as an international airport, an empty downtown lot, uh, a, a littered oil field, and uh, some um, outskirts of the Mojave Desert as being a place where you can discover rare and interesting species of lizard. And uh, good on Los Angeles area, um, as our City of Science for this week, for harbouring and keeping these lizards safe so that the scientists can venture out onto these wild unknowns
0: and find them. That's ridiculous. I'm really not happy with that. Why? Well, it means we can't get research grants anymore to go out to check out rainforests or anything. They're just going to send me outside with a net and a plastic bag. Uh, <laughs> That's what's really interesting, because um, the researchers from the California's esteemed Berkeley,
1: Berkeley University, um, Berkeley University. Sorry, that um, they're the ones who are doing this research, finding these lizards, but they're all in these urban environments. It's hardly exploring the Amazon for the lost wonders and all the Yucatan, which is very close by.
2: Well, these lizards just live under the ground or very close to the surface, so it's not too much of an issue, I guess, if they're living surrounded by people. <laughs> like it works for them, so they they've they've thrived.
1: But it does, it does raise an interesting question about the, uh, the, the travel grants and the travel junkets. So if you're studying lizard science in LA, chances are you're not going to get out to travel very far. So keep that in mind before selecting your place for your postgraduate research. But nevertheless, the Los Angeles is our city of science this week. So leaping on from our city of science, uh, we're actually going to talk about this news story, which is the discovery of four new species of legless lizards. Not legless, but legless. So Camille, so what exactly is a legless lizard? (laughs) I can assure you it's not a snake. What do you mean? I mean, for all (laughs) intents and purposes, if you take a lizard, right, which is a reptilian thing with scales and four legs-ish, maybe if you've lopped one off and it's regrown it in between, and a tail if I take off the legs, since they don't have arms, it just leaves a head and a body and a tail. In my mind, that's a snake.
2: Well, I think you'll find that it's all about where their history and past has actually come from. So this is a really good example of convergent evolution, where two very different things in terms of evolution have ended up, in roughly the same point in the future, but they've come from completely different backgrounds.
0: So you're saying, Camille, that two separate species have experienced different selective pressures and so sort of eventually evolved to occupy a similar niche?
2: That's exactly right. And that's how we can have legless lizards, which aren't actually snakes. Well, okay, that's fine.
0: But why is losing your legs an advantage? I'm pretty sure if I lost my arms and legs and then tried to get into a fight with something, I would not win. That's, well, that's true, but you're not evolved to actually be more mobile without arms and legs. Oh, okay, so this is when the evolution comes into
1: it.
2: It's all about them scales, eh?
1: So what, what, exactly, what exactly is advantageous about a snake when you think about their form and their factor? So what are some of the differences between snakes and legless lizards?
2: Well, you'll find that legless lizards can't actually unlock their jaws to swallow entire, like,
1: Animals. Yeah, because if you watch, if you watch a snake eat something, it's kind of terrifying because they just kind of unhinge their jaw and their mouth, <laughs> like, eat it whole, and then like, digest to, yeah, like, it the time they digest it. Yeah, inside, yeah. Like, their stomach just around the shape of it. We've all seen the cartoons where there's the thing inside the snake. So lizards can't do that. So, lizards can't do legless that. Legless lizards can't swallow something whole.
2: They're not just like, mm, look at that tasty rabbit. Oh.
1: So then what, what can what can legless lizards do that snakes can't?
2: Well, legless lizards can actually lose their tail.
0: You are kidding me. <laughs>
2: like they will lose multiple segments of like they detach their body from the tail and still wiggle like make it wiggle to get away from their prey.
0: This is the most pathetic animal. Not only does it evolve <laughs> to lose its arm and legs, but in case of emergency, it ditches its tail as well. This animal just doesn't want to be alive, does
2: it? <laughs> it, it just wants to be as insignificant as possible. Just get it
0: I think what's actually
1: happening here with this animal is that it's figured out that it doesn't need the rest of it. Like, the rest of it is surplus. So it's like, you know what? I'm cool enough as it is. I'm not going to have all this useless tail or these useless
0: arms and legs. I'm fine without him. I'm so cool. I don't need them. So it's just basically muscles and a brain at that point. <laughs> Pretty much. It's, think- it's a pure egghead.
2: They can't even move as much as snakes. Like, snakes can use, like, their whole body to push them along and snake, um, legless lizards just kind of...
1: Uh... Amble. <laughs> so, like, if you look at the actual science behind it, snakes can often get out of the way of a car before it hits. Baby snakes struggle at this, but adult snakes can easily get out of the way of a vehicle when it starts approaching. But legless lizards kind of really can't manage to move with that kind of speed to get away, and separating their tail
0: doesn't really assist them in this uh, incidence. Well, that again makes it such an interesting question, how they evolved this way. Like, what, what is the advantage? So how, did, how do you end up at the state where you don't
1: actually have any legs? Because it's kind of like that weird instance where you, where you have birds which have
0: wings, but they had to come from somewhere that didn't have wings. So how did we end up getting a reptile that doesn't have any legs? Well, I think because it's a legless lizard, it actually started with both forelegs and hind legs. And what would happen over time is the forelegs would get smaller and smaller, but that's, this suggests a really interesting behavior where that was not advantageous to survival. So, for some reason, a behavior changed where they didn't need to move around with their arms and legs anymore. But I'm having a lot of trouble finding out a reason why that would be the case. Why would they
2: not but legs? It,
0: we've got the proof
1: of this missing link. So, about 95 million years ago, scientists in 2007 have discovered um, that they had a, a lizard called the Adrosaurus microbrachius, which basically means it had small, very small, and, and non functioning front legs but still functioning and normal sized hind legs. So it's kind of like a T-Rex with the tiny arms and big legs, but in like lizard form, flat lizard form.
2: How Did did they just kind of move their like front body along with their legs pushing along, like just a wheelbarrow type thing or, but minus a wheel (laughs) for new species?
1: So what's and it doesn't really make sense when you think about it that way. What it does suggest is that it's trying to get to the same place, the same type of advantages that a snake has with that kind of motion, but it's this really weird missing link and it's kind of, they've found a design that's advantageous for them, but they have come at it from a different angle. So as strange as it might seem to us nowadays, it's actually pretty innovative design. In fact, their hardiness is quite remarkable. As we alluded to before, they've been discovered in some really, really unusual locations in Los Angeles. So, as you mentioned before, a, a runway at the international LA International Airport, how one of it, the busiest airports in the world. How
2: did it dodge planes if it can barely, like, move from a car?
1: <laughs> An empty lot in downtown Bakersfield, a, a field with oil derricks, so, like, oil rigs. And on the margins of the desert. So what this suggests to me is it's probably more of a scavenging type creature. So it's not actively
0: hunting, which means that its motion speed isn't necessarily that huge. Uh, And maybe ditching the legs lets it hide in places that leg lizards wouldn't be able to do. And I think that's probably one of the main reasons they're
1: advantageous to it. Um, What they do is actually live their entire lives underground or near the surface. And so they don't often leave an area bigger than a small table. So they don't actually need to be very uh, fast movers. So they're usually found in moist areas under dead wood, logs, or in cardboard. So if you're in LA, watch out for a snake, but it's not quite a snake. It's a legless lizard. So you've all been driving down the highways, looking at the billboards on the side of the trains or on your bus, and you'll notice fantastic ads at different places that catch the eye, and they all have different meanings. The small ad above the, the seats in the train, or those big billboards alongside the side of the freeway. And we ourselves, as humans, we also dress ourselves up with different coloured clothes on different parts of our body. We often use that to symbolise and mean different things. Um, wearing lots of colourful and garish clothes is one way of that, but we also have ties, which signify something different, and they can be a different colour. Uh, and we use colours and symbols and locations to mean and send different messages. But we're not the only ones who do that. And One of the most famous colour changes fashionistas out there in the animal kingdom is, of course, the chameleon. So, Camille... Shed some light on this chameleon situation.
2: Well, Justin, chameleons generally use their colours to display different social interactions between chameleons. So if they're more aggressive, they're more likely to have more brighter stripes and more intense colourage when they're more likely to approach their opponent lizard that they're going to fight. And also another interesting part about that is depending on how quickly the colour of their head changes color is a good way to protect who will win the fight (laughs)
1: there's a couple of things going on here because i always understood chameleons to be from from our usage of the word chameleon is something that blends into its environment but what you're telling me is actually use the colors not just as a as a defense mechanism but as actually as an offense mechanism to signal other chameleons and get into battles
2: yeah so rather than just trying to blend in they use it to go hey i want to what fight you, wanna, you want to go, you want to go, mate. And so, by showing their bright colors, they can signal to another chameleon that they want to fight maybe after territory or lady chameleons, you know, try and impress them. And yeah, so it's also interesting that the quickness of the head change can actually indicate the more likely winner.
0: That's really interesting because humans do basically the same thing, don't they, Camille? I mean, if I get really angry, my face will go really red. And so if I'm really hot-headed, my face will go red really quickly. And, and that's that means, where the phrase comes from. Yeah, the, the phrase hot-headed. Um, the same thing is if I'm embarrassed or if I am you know, think someone's a little bit cute, then I start to blush. It's a similar sort of thing. And what I think is most fascinating about this example with the, with the chameleons is there's about 28 different
1: patches of their body that they can change the colour and the intensity and the brightness of. So these distinct 28 patches all have different meanings. So it's not like their face is just going red. There are 28 different spots on them that they can change the colors of to send all kinds of different signals. And as Camille mentioned, the rapidness, the rapidity of the change of colours and the intensity of them says a lot about their strength and a lot about the lizards themselves. So what actually happens when they're they're getting close to a fight? What have they discovered, these researchers, from the ASU School of Life Sciences at Arizona State University?
2: So during a contest... Um, these lizards show bright yellows, oranges, greens, and turquoises, which is a huge contrast from their resting colours, which range from brown to green with little hints of yellows. Yeah,
1: so they, they stop blending in the environment. They really try to stand out with these distinctive colours.
2: Yeah, and so the way a winner is decided in this fight, so it's not about, you know, fight to the death. It's more who can intimidate the other one enough, I guess, as well, well, to make them retreat before the other ones. So.
1: so they actually flash their colours off and they, they do it, undergo this great display of rapidly changing colours in really strong tones. And they do this from a distance and then they get more intense as the other lizard approaches more head-on. And often that will cause others to retreat, so they, 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 they intimidate and they run away, which is, means that there's not even actually a physical fight. So they use this to even avoid fighting as a kind of a, you don't want to challenge me, I'm too tough.
0: So is this like when you're playing a video game and you challenge your friend, but you have really high power levels? They're like, nah, man, I'm not actually going to battle you at all. So it solves the conflict without actually any violence at all. And I think this is really, really fascinating. I mean, there are a lot of
1: different types of species of chameleon around the world, about 160 in total. Um, And there's really interesting stuff going on with each and every one of them. And it's a great different approach that we would consider something very human that actually the animal kingdom does a lot of. So we're not as alone as we think in the way we use fashion and colours to send different types of messages.
2: Yeah, like their contests, like, between how much they can intimidate one another only last, like, 5 to 15 seconds. They don't even, like...
0: Like two footy players
2: sizing each other up going, oh, Oh, yeah, what, mate? It's the same sort of thing. Or we
0: use body language and they're using colour language instead.
2: Yeah, they're like...
1: So, so lizards and humans have an awful lot in common outside of the world of rapidly changing clothes. Their testosterone or hormone-induced males also get onto a number of fights, but they can often avoid a fight by taking a reasonable approach and backing away if they realise their opponent's too tough.
0: So we've just found out a bit about how the way we express ourselves visually um, can give a lot of information to our aggressors or our competitors. But the thing is, this also occurs in the game of love. Do tell me more about how the game of love can be influenced by brightly coloured lights and flashes and different signs and things that we wear. Well, if you want to win me over, Justin, the best way is to buy me some bright jewellery or something. But if I was a fence lizard, um, specifically a male fence lizard, I would express myself um, using bright blue badges on my neck and throat. Um, and researchers have found um, that if these male lizards are looking at lady lizards that also have some semblances of these masculine characteristics... They're less likely to date them. That's really interesting. I mean, it's almost like the, the male lizards take offense.
1: The male fence lizards take offense to the, uh, the blue patches on the, on the other female
0: lizards and, and steer away from them, thinking of them almost as competitors. Well, exactly. They, they seem threatened and they seem less interested. But the most interesting part about this finding is how they actually figured it out. Basically, they had a lizard dating simulator.
1: So they speed date lizards virtually.
0: Yes. So you've got a lizard on a table looking at a screen with lots of lady lizards swiping past and they actually register or record how excited the lizard is to see all these different lizards. And this is some really interesting research being done out of Penn
1: State University in the United States uh, by a graduate student uh, by the name of Lindsay Swiark. So she's built this lizard love simulator where this lizard gets exposed to all these different other types of lizards. Um, but that's, that's really interesting. So what type of detailed results did they actually find there? So what exactly are the differences that we're looking at between these lizards?
0: Are they really noticeable or are they just kind of mnemonic colouring? Well, a bit bit like some um, women have some sort of slight masculine sort of hair patterns, like have a slight moustache and stuff like that, Um, these female lizards have a slight badging on the throat or the neck. They have those same masculine bright blue signifiers. And what they've found is that a male lizard won't go for a masculine female lizard unless there's no other option. But if there's no other option around, they do get desperate and they will definitely go for these less attractive ones.
2: What kind of ratio do they have in terms of lady-manly lizards and lady-lady lizards?
0: So, about three quarters of the female lizards look a little bit manly, with one quarter of the female lizards looking feminine. And the question... That's a very is, weird ratio. Yeah. It is a very weird ratio, and it's because, well, a lot of these sexual binaries aren't actually as genetically clear as we sort of like to say they are, um, and I think an interesting signifier this could have would be that perhaps female lizards with these masculine signifiers could be less fit or less—they could be less fit or um, less suitable to mate with. And that's what the actual research looked into so so
1: Lindsay's work from the Penn State University actually looked at the the reproductive capabilities of these different types of lizards so she also found that the ones with the, the male mouse masculine type badging laid their eggs about thirteen days later in the mating season, and these eggs were smaller and less developed which which would suggest that um, the feminine type lizards are actually more evolved to uh, bear better eggs bear better children uh, and also Raise more healthy offspring, which would suggest why they're prominent. But it also finds it very unusual that there's still only 25% of them in the population. So this this really well breeding state is sort of now emerging from the pool of the gene pool. So there must have been some lizards that developed this ability. Uh, this trait and now they're now starting to grow in population size as the mutation increases. So this is a really interesting piece about science and about the way lizards uh, can deal with the different types of differences between masculine and feminine and discern these and what that can actually mean on a genetic basis.
0: This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point.
1: When we're talking about all some of the mysteries and interesting science about lizards, including the way that chameleons use their bodies to signal different things, legless lizards about lizards and the different ways which they find their perfect mate.
2: Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.